Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Our guest today is the CEO and co-founder of Hilo, a studio creating moving experiences that connect brands with their consumers by bringing together the best in creative strategy, storytelling, production, and event design. Their list of awards is nearly endless, including, but of course, not limited to. In just within their first three years of business, they won 13 Can Lions, which is insane. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So it is our pleasure to welcome Brendan Kiernan to the show. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, having me on the show. I got to tell you, when I read that uh, stat, the 13 can uh, lions in the in the first year, uh, the first three years, I mean, that's gobsmacking to to see. And it just is a, a true testament to the kind of work that you do. So if you would sort of elucidate on that, on the work, on the experiences. Yeah. Well, we started Hilo, uh, myself and my business partner, really because we both had come from kind of two very different sides of the sort of content and advertising entertainment worlds. I had started a digital agency, which had eventually gotten sold uh, to Crispin and Porter in the mid-2000s, and uh, my business partner came actually out of the the agenting world and the film production world, and, uh, you know, through some serendipity we ended up uh meeting and deciding that we wanted to kind of bring those two worlds together and to do it in a way that maybe hadn't quite been done before and um you know we both had this love of and belief in the power of experiences you know and that really a story well told was an experience even if it was a a linear type narrative and so we set about creating Hilo as a as a studio that really focused on what we called moving experiences. And by moving, we mean emotionally moving and moving as in sort of kinetic and immersive, um, moving at the speed of culture. And so uh, one of the first things we did is we brought in, through my business partner's connections in the agent world, uh, production designers, Hollywood production designers who... Uh, yeah, sure, they were making commercials and they were doing their films, but they really weren't at that point a lot involved in the, the creating of worlds for experiential projects, sort of more physical, immersive experiences. So we were able to bring in some really interesting sort of top tier talent, um, folks like K.K. Barrett, who designed Her and Where the Wild Things Are, and yeah. Nathan Crowley, who uh, designs for Christopher Nolan, and you know both of those guys are Academy Award nominated, and and, and to sort of orient them into this world of, of branded experiences. Um, and then, you know, at that same time, we 
we're making a documentary with a, a guy named Jeff Tremaine, who you, you may know um, as the creator, along with Spike Jones and Johnny Knoxville, of, of the Jackass universe. And um, <laughs> surprisingly, you know, Jeff had never made a commercial. And, you know, through, again, some, some sort of happy accidents, we ended up making a Bud Light Super Bowl spot with Jeff Tremaine in our first year of business. And that sort of that won several lions and became the catalyst for, for, you know, what has become a pretty, a pretty awesome journey so far with Hilo. That'll catapult it nice and quickly, won't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. It was, uh, it was definitely the, uh, you know, the rocket start to, to the company three months in and we were, you know, doing this giant, Super Bowl spot with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Don Cheadle and you know five locations and it was madness total madness it, adding color to this whole conversation and you know the whole sort of feeling behind Hilo um, I really want everyone to go to HeloExperiences.com H-E-L-O Experiences.com just to get a flavor and I'm under the live events tab it is insane what you guys do and when we talk uh, you know there's a lot of language being used right now and like creating experience yeah, i was just thinking that tony can we like <laughs> in simple english brandon can you describe to us what Hilo does like can you give our listeners at home who have no experience of any of these events or anything like that a taste of what they might experience at a Hilo hosted event yeah, I mean, I think the simplest way to describe it is is bringing stories, bringing worlds that you would normally just be a passive participant watching on a screen in your living room or on your computer or phone and bringing people into those worlds. So you walk into to a Hilo event and you are immersed in a world and that world may be, you know, a... Um, a, a world of fantasy. It might be Alice in Wonderland. Um, it might be something like, you know, what we did for the Bud Light Super Bowl spot, which was one guy's epic night where he goes, you know, he takes the Bud Light and all of a sudden he's on this journey, you know, of his wildest dreams, basically. Um, so it's really sort of taking things that you would normally see maybe in gaming or in, uh, you know, films and bringing them into the real world in ways that people can actually experience them. Yeah. The, there's a tendency for those worlds to kind of be separated. And I think, you know, for a long time, they really were, um, you know, you have the, the, the narrative, the storytelling that happens in kind of a linear way, you know, with a book or with a, a film or a TV show. And then you had these, these events, which, you know, didn't really have, any kind of uh, story and we're more just sort of, you know, you're there and it's, it's a concert or it's, it's a party. Um, and, you know, I've always felt, and really it's been my entire career to kind of an incredible affinity towards and, and excitement around the challenge of integrating those worlds. You know, can you have experiences that are also, have a story that you know that lead and guide people through something that you know has sort of a beginning a middle and an end and 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 they walk away not just having said oh that was cool but really having felt something um and now with technology you know and technology now is a is a is a big part of what we do 
um, you know, there, there's even more ways to sort of blend those elements together. So as a storyteller, I have a very simple question for you, which is not a simple answer. <laughs> Why? I mean, this, you know, I could talk about this all, all day or, or all night, maybe have a few times all night over some drinks. <laughs> sure. um, but, but, you know, I would submit to you that storytelling is, if not the, it is one of the fundamental qualities of humanity that mm. elevated us out of, you know, out of being, um, you know, the, the rest of the, the apes, essentially. Yeah. You know, that, that the ability and, you know, there's a lot of people in cognitive science and, you know, in history and biology who are starting to, you know, to talk about this. But the idea of being able to, to think beyond a group of, you know, 10, 15, 20 and to actually project into the future an idea, you know, is what allowed us to to evolve, you know, to evolve our civilizations, to evolve our the complexity of our um, of our culture, and you know, it's also as is many times the case, our greatest strength may be also our our, our greatest Achilles heel or weakness. But I'd say storytelling is is absolutely fundamental to to, to human beings, mm. and that's why I think it's you know such an extraordinary. Uh, I feel very lucky to have the career I do to be able to constantly day in day out be be telling stories and working on creating them so i have two questions for you the first is kind of as many people out there are probably listening and thinking well how can i utilize storytelling to drive my business goals if it is such a root level part of humanity it's also part of how we can influence buying behavior and what kind of how do you sell that in what's that talk track look like when you're meeting with clients and they're assessing the commercial value of an experience oriented event? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great question. And it's, you know, it, it's such an interesting time in our world in terms of, you know, we've seen a huge transformation in media consumption, right? Like, you know, with streaming services now being the dominant form of entertainment and streaming platforms and, you know, what that has done to the, to the role of the 32nd spot and, you know, and while I would say that there still very much is a role for the 32nd spot, there's no doubt that you cannot rely on just being, you know, buying yourself into the right place uh, and then telling, you know, telling your story or, or introducing your product and then hope that that's going to convert to the type of growth um, that, that you, that you as a CMO or, you know, brand marketer you're trying to achieve. And so, you know, we've got to be more sophisticated in the way we're approaching and relating to our audiences. And that really means respecting those audiences and trying to meet them where they are in ways that, that don't at all feel like an interruption or an imposition, but really feel like something that, that, that is of value to them, you know, and an experience experiences, I think, you know, you could pull anybody in any part of the political spectrum. And one thing they might all agree on is that, you know, the most important thing in their life are the experiences they have. And those are the things they remember, those things they treasure. And so if you can tap into that same uh, sentiment and align your brand with that in a, in a endemic or authentic, I mean, totally overused word, I know, but true authentic way, 
you will see a significant return on, on that. And we have, you know, for the clients that we've, that we've worked with uh, on these kinds of projects. So you mentioned cognitive psychology earlier, and I have a cognitive psychology question. So the reason so many newspapers and other periodicals use human-centered stories, so they might be telling the story about a specific individual to represent the plight of many, is because we as humans relate a lot better to a single individual versus many. If we see a a data of 350,000 people affected, that doesn't have the same impact to us as... Mm one very heartfelt story of one person's how they are affected. And like capstone example here is that picture of the child who washed up on the shores in Italy during the height of the refugee crisis in 2015 that changed public perception on migration in Europe. It's one of many examples of this. Why we have personas for digital experiences, right? Yeah, exactly. So with that, that same principle in mind of humanizing a story, what is that one story that you wish you could tell if it wasn't commercial? What's that story that you think your team has the oh. power to change people's entire perception on an issue on? Personally, you know, I, I have a, a, a young child and I'm, you know, extremely deeply concerned about, about the climate crisis. And, you know, I've, I've been talking with, quite a few folks, uh, you know, in the brand and, and marketing world and also across sort of de- technology companies. And that's obviously a, sh- a sentiment shared by, by many of us. And, you know, I believe that the story, and this is something we actually are. Except Exxon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, is that we've been told for years and years and years, and as recently as the most recent IPCC report, you know, how bad it is, how dire it is, how, you know, horrendous and irrevocable it is. And all of that is true and needs to be told. But what I believe needs to happen is we have to create that positive narrative and experience for people of what it might look like if we actually make the decisions we need to make and pull ourselves out of this you know, this uh, existential crisis, what is that positive future? What does that world look like in 2030 or 2050 or 2100 if we make the decisions we need to make, if we pull ourselves together and act? And I think that's the story that hasn't been told and needs to be told, you know, because that's, if you look at, you know, sort of seminal moments um, in, in, history and where movements were able to catalyze and create change, it always requires that positive vision. Um, I, I was told this story and I don't know for sure how true it is, but I'm going to tell it, you know, it's a story someone told me about um, Martin Luther King and uh, representative John Lewis went to talk to Lyndon Johnson, you know, during the civil rights movement and we're trying to like get him to, you know, to push things along civil rights legislation. And he said, look, I can't do that. I'm the president, but I don't, I I don't control Congress. I don't vote. I can't make legislation. And they were leaving the meeting and John Lewis kind of turned to Martin Luther King and he's like, well, you know, what do we do now? And Martin Luther King said, we get the man some power. And then after that, that was when Martin Luther King, you know, uh, gave the, I have a dream speech. And the point of the story, and I love the story, I hope it's true because I love it so much, is that, you know, it took that positive vision 
that positive story of I have a dream to, to really get that to catalyze that movement. And I think we need the same thing for the climate crisis. And I, I'm very much hoping to be part of telling that story. It's a perfect opportunity to utilize the, the tool set that we have in terms of integrating physical experiences, digital elements, yeah. narrative elements, because it's, it's an imagining, you know, a future. And it's been interesting talking to people like KK Barrett, who, you know, who designed the movie, her, right. Which is a future, and, you know, the, it's not a in-your-face kind of sci-fi future, but it's a future that, you know, nonetheless had to be created to build a world that was believable to, to be the future, but not feel sort of so out there that you weren't, you know, able to believe the, the story that was, the, you know, the main narrative of, the, of that movie. No um, and Yeah, he did a great job, you know, because you sort of look at that and you're like, wow. That, you know, definitely isn't the world we live in, but it's a world that I can see myself in. Okay, so we talked a lot about the power of storytelling and people harness power in many different ways. What's one of the most effective stories that you wish was never told? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have... You know, I have serious concerns, as I, again many do, about you know the unfortunate way that that social media has evolved and the you know the prevalence of mis and disinformation on those platforms. And you know, I don't think, think that's a single story, but it's yeah. you know it's a it's a pretty remarkable evolution that has happened in you know in the last. 10 to 15 years. I mean, we're not talking about something. Oftentimes you talk about problems and you're like, oh, well, that's been going on forever. Or, you know, you feel sort of like the weight of the, of history is sort of so heavy that you couldn't possibly have affected it. But this is something we've seen happen, go from nothing, didn't exist to like maybe the most powerful and potentially most destructive force in our, in our society. And I, and I, I'm, I really wish we had had evolved those in different ways and, you know, taken a beat maybe to figure out how to infuse a bit more of a sense of community and, and responsibility in, into those platforms. That's a great answer. And it actually leads me into wrapping this up with our two final segments. So this uh, first of the two final segments is called the lightning round where we, Peter and I make up questions on the fly not like any of this was written down beforehand, but um, where your response is to be one word and we don't unpack it. We just let it marinate. Sounds good. So the first question is a piggybacking off of the last question. If you think about social media and, and your desire or wish rather to um, that it, it would have been handled or could have been handled differently or the like. So in one word, why do you think people buy into it? Oh, wow. Um, one word. That's a hard one. That's probably the hardest yeah. one that I've ever asked. <laughs> That's a hard one. Goodness. Um, uh, belonging. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, the great unifier of social media and the great divider. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, Peter. Okay. So in order for a story to resonate, it must have 
emotion. Ah, good mm-hmm. one. Okay, okay. Okay, it's going to be another one word. You have a three-year-old daughter, right? Yes. So when she's 70 and she tells a story about her dad, how would you want people to remember you from said story? No big deal. How do you want to be remembered in one word? (laughs) Yeah, it's an easy Um, wrap-up here, right? Kind. Beautiful, yeah. That's good. Okay. Peter, you want to hit him with the last question? It's not a one-word answer. <laughs> it's not a one-word answer, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there is some backstory here, which is I notoriously bumbled what this question is time and time and time again. But today, I am ready to deliver it the right way. <laughs> Everyone's crossing their fingers. There you go. Brendan, what is one non-digital object or thing that you own or possess that means the most to you or has impacted your life the most, and why? Nailed it. Pretty easy for me, I think. Um, a surfboard, and that's because it keeps me sane, and I try to get out in the water as often as I can. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much other than family and friends and all of that, it's uh, probably the most important thing to me. That's interesting, um, especially – in using some of the words that you used earlier in describing the experiences were movement and action, right? So I think that there's something there. That's really interesting. Can you I also answered immediately? Like yeah. didn't even have to think about it. Who can I ask who introduced you to surfing? I will try and keep this very short. I grew up in the mountains. I grew up in Colorado, but uh, when I was 20, Three, I taught English in China for a year. And in the middle of that year, it was very, very difficult, challenging. I was in the middle of nowhere in Western China. I ended up going to Bali for a month. And when I was in Bali, I met uh, a Balinese guy who's, we're still very good friends. Our families are friends. Um, and he introduced me to surfing uh, when I was 23. See, I knew there was a story there. <laughs> See, it all comes full circle. Storytelling. <laughs> Brendan Kiernan on Liftoff. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for um, joining us. This, is, this has been a really cool conversation for us. Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the, the questions, and um, I enjoyed myself. Thanks again. Yeah.